0: We had a few technical difficulties while recording this episode of the podcast. As such, the audio isn't quite as high quality as we would have hoped for. It's still an enjoyable episode. Just please excuse some of the background noises that you might hear throughout. Hello and welcome to the Scotland Singing for Health podcast produced by Scotland's Singing for Health Network. I am Brianna Robertson-Kirkland and today I'm joined by three very special guests. Before I introduce them, let me tell you a little about this podcast and why we are talking about Singing for Health. Singing for Health groups support the management of a range of conditions such as respiratory conditions, dementia, Parkinson's disease and mental health concerns. In each episode of the podcast, we'll be talking to singers, singing group leaders, researchers and medical practitioners to find out more about the benefits of singing and what singing for health activities are taking place all around Scotland. Today our podcast focuses on dementia-inclusive singing and we are joined by Community Music Specialist Dr Jane Bentley, who is also a Senior Atlantic Fellow for Equity in Global Brain Health. Sam Thompson, Chairperson of the Musical Memories Choir in Hamilton, and Dementia Inclusive Singing Network Consultant Stephen Beasley, who also runs the Love Music Community Choir in Edinburgh. Thank you all for joining me today. Some of the listeners may be familiar with what dementia is, but for those who are not, Jane, I wonder if you could tell us a little about dementia.
1: Well, dementia isn't one single thing. It's actually a whole group of progressive neurological disorders that affect our brain. And that involves damage to the nerve cells in the brain, which can limit our function. And because the brain controls everything we do, um, there's things like memory, which I think most of us would be familiar with associating with dementia, but then also physical abilities. We might see things differently
0: and even our ability to use language and movement can be affected. Uh, That's really, really important to know, Jane. So, Stephen, could you tell us a a bit more about dementia-inclusive singing? What is it?
2: Dementia-inclusive singing, what is it? It's sort of, um, it is a general thing and a very specific thing. It's looking after people's individual experience, but in a kind of collective space. So a lot of the work that I do is looking at inclusive practice and what that means. Um, in terms of working with people with dementia, Jane's already talked about um, some of the um, effects of kind of neurological damage to do with memory, but it's also, um, in a sense, trying to find a space where people are as comfortable as possible all the time and looking after their journey um, through singing, both physically and also emotionally. So, a key part of the A key part of inclusive singing in a dementia context is connecting to the kind of the emotional self. But doing that in a kind of community space, in a communal space, that really is the kind of the key asset of group singing.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you for giving us that insight. Sam, I know that the Musical Memories Choir in Hamilton encourages caregivers to come along to the singing sessions. Why is that so important?
3: It's important from the point of view that if the carer's not there, a lot of them wouldn't be able to do what they do at the choir. So they need the help from the carer. And therefore, the, the singers all sing together. And then we have certain times that, at parts of music that the dementia people sing. So it's mainly, they've got you need carers there or it wouldn't work.
0: Are there specific benefits that singing can have for people living with dementia?
1: Um, I, think, I think, as Sam said, one of the primary benefits is this connection with other people. I think dementia can be something that is very isolating um, and we can feel very cut off from the community. So things that take us out and take us into this group situation, and particularly, I think, in a place where somebody can be at their best. And I think often it's the person with dementia who would remember the songs and the words and be the expert in that situation rather than somebody who's... Feels like they're being helped all the time. So I think it's a real opportunity for people to be with each other at their best and at their healthiest.
2: I'll just add a little a little note to that and Jean is absolutely right. It's a celebration of what you can do rather than what you cannot do and so many times when we're working with people living with dementia we're focusing on illness and we're focusing on incapacity but actually in that communal space when people are contributing together, or as Jane said, being the leader or being the primary voice, you have a, a, a kind of neutralizing uh, kind of democratic space, which is really, really, really useful. It's also really useful as a tool for destigmatizing, um, the, uh, dementias and living with dementia. So, yeah, kind of celebrating capacity rather than incapacity.
0: Celebrating capacity is, is so important. in all of these things for health groups that we have been speaking about over the podcast
3: the interesting thing is that they don't all sit next to their carer. I mean, many of them can still read. Many of them can But uh, the situation is that they sit with their pal sometimes, put it that way, you know, because they can still speak to each other. So it's a kind of mixed up thing. But you need the carers there to help the singing. Otherwise, it wouldn't work.
0: It's the social aspect of it, just as, as right. much
3: as the singing. It is, yes. Can I give you an example of what singing does for a person? My wife has now been in care for six years, and uh, she no longer knows me. She can no longer speak. She knows, uh, well, the family are all abroad, but uh, she, my son's here. She doesn't know anybody, in fact. but. I go up and see her. I can get now get back in, go and see her. I take the musical memory books with. I leave them up there, and we start to sing, and she sings. She'll sing quite a lot of the words. She'll hum all the tunes, and yet she's in a different world altogether. And that's where you know, that's one of the main reasons that singing is so helpful. It's the one thing we've got left with her, is that she can still. Sing and the memory still sometimes is bringing back the words of the songs that she sang at Musical Memories. And she was very musical herself, but uh, there we are. I just thought I would say that to let you know how it's helping and helping me as well. So that's an example of how it helps. Oh, thank you,
0: Sam. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it's helping you?
3: At least I can go and see and communicate with her in the sense that we sing. Uh, instead of if we if we didn't sing, we would just look at one another. Because I speak to there's nothing comes. Uh, but the funny thing is, it's still up here. When I'm going away, I'll say I'm I'm away at the moment. I'll be biting away while and so say I love you. Now, where that comes from, we have not a clue. But that's what happens. But uh, in before the pandemic, we were still able to get her out and get her to the choir. But she was getting to the stages where that might have to stop. And of course now because of the pandemic it's no longer possible that she'll ever be back at the choir. But this certainly helps me to walk away feeling at least I was able to do something
2: with her.
0: Stephen, were you wanted to come in there?
2: No, I can't come in on the top of that. It's a really pro- profound kind of personal reflection by Sam, which is a really kind of powerful statement about it's, you know, the power of singing together.
0: Yeah, as Sam, I was uh, reflecting in another podcast that my grandmother didn't have dementia, but she was struggling with her speech and she was struggling with being able to speak and being able to sing and to sing with her was such an important uh, way of us staying connected. And it's beautiful to hear that you've got that same connection with your wife through music, which is why it's so important. I wonder if we could just then merge into explaining what a dementia inclusive session might look like so i know that you're all, all uh running off part of your own different group stephen can you tell us a little bit more about a dementia singing session that you might run
2: so now i have a very broad concept of inclusive singing and in when because th- we've been building sort of training programs for working with people in a in a kind of dementia inclusive way and what we've realized is that the the more you kind of focus on inclusion in terms of people living with dementia, the more inclusive your practice actually becomes for the broader community. So a lot of the strategies that I would use with the technique that I would use as a singing leader in that setting are exactly the same as a kind of community music setting. Um, in terms of people living with dementia specifically, there are some... Key things, key differences that you might want to address, like the time of day when you do it. You know, what's the optimal time of day for, for the people that you're working with? It's also important to to note that everybody's journey with dementia is individual. You know, no two people experience it in the same way. So, communicating with your group and your participants and your the the people taking part is really important. So early afternoon seems seems to be a kind of comfortable time of day where people can gather themselves and have a you know a kind of can bring them their best selves to to, to the day uh, a lot of the work that i do is um uh, challenging some of the stereotypes around the kind of music that you would sing you know we there is a, 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 a an idea that if you're living with a dementia if you're living with Alzheimer's that you can't learn new material we know through kind of research, um, kind of current research, that that's not that's not actually the case, but that doesn't mean that you throw lots of new songs at people. So a lot of my work is about balance. It's about singing something which is familiar, singing something um, which people will know from their from you know from their kind of cultural history, but also introducing new ideas when ch- choosing material. A lot of the thinking is around how it works on the day so is this a song with a course a chorus that people will remember can they kind of hook into something as we're singing it even though it's not a familiar song um yeah and as and as sam said a, a lot of the actual delivery of the work is supported by a huge network of volunteers and you know and family members who are part of that communal you know, common kind of experience so those are some of the things that I think about when I'm kind of planning and delivering a session.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us that insight, Stephen. Jane, could you tell us a little bit more about how a session might run for you?
1: Sure. Um, so I work in a slightly different context most of the time. I'm working in hospitals. And so that might be with people at very different stages on their journey, either having a wee spell in hospital while their diagnosis is confirmed or then in kind of longer term settings of care. And I'd love to completely echo what Stephen says about the the broadness and the possibility of singing a lot of different material. And in fact, even the things that um, often people will ask me to sing is from a huge spectrum. So at the moment, I'm getting requests for Dr. Hook, UB40, and ABBA as well as Frank Sinatra and all these other things. Um, And in preparation for this, I was looking at some of the research. And I think the Global Council on Brain Health in the USA um, did some research of about 3,000 people um, who were involved in singing practice. And it turns out only 9% of people only like music from their own generation. Um, So lots of us, you know, like I, we'll, we'll sing the music of our parents or you know, music from subsequent generations. So I think it's really important um, to include variety. Um, and I think variety of emotion is really important as well. I think sometimes it can be easy to to err on the side of cheering people up and, you know, being very happy and actually to take us seriously as human beings, we cross a whole emotional range. So I think it, it's very important to have, you know, faster songs, slower songs, songs that allow us to to maybe be more reflective as well as kind of joyous and connected and community focused as well. Um, and I think certainly in the hospital setting, I think a lot of flexibility then becomes required about saying, you know, what's what's the music for now? You know, where are we now? It's very it's a very present moment thing. And I think being able to to have a you know a menu of things you can dip into, um perhaps rather than a set list of, of tunes um, when you start to work in these settings works really well and probably the last thing and um, slowing down becomes very important um as we age our what's called a spontaneous motor tempo so if we said just clap your hands we would all there's a few different of us from different age groups on this call we would all clap at different speeds um so as we age this this kind of tempo at which we do that slows down and the rate at which information comes into us and often i found that simply by slowing down a song somebody who might have just been kind of looking or just mouthing the words is suddenly enabled to sing just by changing the pace of that um again it's not that we'd sing everything very slowly but it's it's looking at this variety of approaches and variety of practice so that we we can catch more people more of the
0: time thank you so much jane for sharing that and very important again to keep in mind about the idea of Slowing down, but also reading the room. Now, Sam, can you tell us a little bit more about musical memories and why it was set up?
3: It was set up by Alzheimer's about thirteen years ago, uh, and they were involved with it for about two years, and then they left us, and uh, we had to go on our own. And since then, we've had to obviously uh, raise money uh, and benefits through people giving us money. We we did get a Lottery grant early on, uh, things like that kept us going. Uh, and some people give us, like one of the places is Hamilton Bowling Club. Every year give us approximately £700 from a, a day they have. And other people in you know, other places. We also have signed uh Murrayfield for Alzheimer's uh, Champions uh, we've sang there twice, uh, we've sang at the West of Scotland University at the graduation of nurses, and we sing every year here at Hare Myers Hospital on Alzheimer's week, or dementia care week. Uh, so things like that, we get money for that, obviously, uh, and we take everybody in a bus, they have a great time, we sing, sometimes and they'll get their dinner, and it's just a very great social thing to do. And it's it's gone on from there, you know. Uh, we meet every Wednesday. Unfortunately, Stephen, it's at half past ten in the morning. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, a cup of tea and a biscuit before we start. And then from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock is the singing time. Uh, we'll get a new song. It's now Anna Neal that's the choir mistress. And she'll uh, start, same as yourself probably, when you were there. You start a new song by couple of verses and a couple of verses next week until it all comes together and then they'll sing other songs that they know. Uh not by memory. Uh they've all got sheets in front of them. But eventually some of them can sing the words. So that that's what we do. That's how it started and it's just going on and on. And before the pandemic we had about probably about twenty five, twenty six people with dementia attending and then their carers, which brought it up maybe to about 40 people. but uh, So that, that, that was a short history of it, and the things that we've done together. In fact, we went on holiday one year at St Anne's, so uh, there's things happen, and we've had, we've had great times with them, and some funny times. So that's basically where it started. It's at St John's Church in Hamilton, where get publicity to let people know, and I carry a card in the back of my car on the black windscreen uh, telling them where it is everywhere. so if people see that and see somebody else comes in, fine but that's the up to date position we're in Oh,
0: Excellent Sam, thank you so much for that insight and I know the group when uh, when I was there they had some favourite
3: songs they, Oh yes. what, are the, what are the group's favourite songs right now? Uh, well, they're, all up, they're all up in the car but uh, one of the things like one of the songs is Dark Isle. They sing the Dark Isle. Bring me sunshine. You know, they're a variation and they'll, there's a great to sing, uh the bluebell poker. You know, they actually, you would think he doesn't like that. So they are going to ask for the bluebell poker. Uh, it's, it's known as Sam's favorite song. Uh, other things, Moon River, singing in the rains, you know, they all love going, do, 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 do. They actually love that. And uh, one of the things that happened, uh, I love to go wandering. Right? So Anna starts this, and you know how they go, faldery, uh, falder, ha 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 ha. And only one person went, ha 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 ha. At the first time, and it was Jane, my wife. And who, who was that? And it was Jane. So that's a wee while ago, but things like that, whatever they sing, you know, they've got quite a repertoire. I love the Julie piece as well. When you can't throw pieces at a 20 story flat is as... so things like that. But we have a great time.
0: So that reflects kind of what Jane was saying is a huge variety of different
3: genres and songs there. The songbook we've got at the moment has got 31 songs in it. That's the one we're using at the moment. We probably haven't done them all, but there's 31 songs been, and we'll go through that in a session, but of course nothing's happened. So, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you
0: so much, Sam. So, Stephen and Jane. I know that you've touched a little bit on the research and what research says about dementia inclusive singing. But how are you putting that research into practice?
1: I think um, for me, there's, there's even research about the brain and how the brain functions, I think, that really informs what we've been doing. And this is something we've touched about already on this call, that the fact that the brain can still always grow and always change, even in the face of dementia. So that's something called neuroplasticity. So I think knowing that and knowing that we still are able to do new things and a variety of things, and it might take a longer time, but you can still see this this upward growth trend in learning and being able to do things. Um, so I think as well as Maybe using song sheets and singing from sheets, having a variety of things that will challenge and engage the brain, um, such as singing from memory. If it's a shorter song or if it's just the first verse from a song that can engage an entirely different area of the brain than the one that's involved in reading and processing written language, um, as well as um doing things that involve our bodies as well, or songs with with simple actions. It's almost like how many many different boxes can we tick um, in terms of things that will excite our brain? Um, And even maybe finding ways to connect the group with each other. Um, One thing I've found in the last couple of years is that social connection is a hugely protective factor in dementia um, because it challenges us in different ways. Um, It keeps that brain fresh, and engaged, um, I remember one doctor telling me that when he was diagnosing a patient, he said, "Look, you know pharmacological intervention drugs you know work thirty percent of the time and maybe to thirty percent efficacy um, so until then, we have to look at other ways of engaging and things that that help us and make life worth living and He said, "I know you'd love me to give you a pill, but actually my prescription is is to get out there." You know, to re-engage your social life, to find ways, to, to do the things you love um, and to keep living life to the full as much as possible. Um, and these are the things that, that will keep us going at the moment.
0: But good advice, especially during uh, this pandemic period as mm-hmm. well. Stephen.
2: So Jane has already touched on this idea that um, one of our instincts is to is to try and uplift people and keep them, you know, um, put them in a good place, but actually, uh, um, some some of the research is showing that one of the last, the last little bits of the, the last bits of your brain that is kind of processing information is that emotional core, and actually bringing music of all kinds of emotional um, resonance is is really important into the, into that kind of singing space, even when you are faced with a situation where you, where you're not sure that people are responding or not sure that people are actually engaging with what you're giving. It has been demonstrated quite clearly that there is an emotional, just in terms of kind of, you know, watching how the brain is functioning, there is an emotional response at a very, very deep level. So not being afraid to bring music into a space, even when, you know, all your your senses are not, you know, uh, there's nothing indicating there that people are being moved or communicating with you or connecting with you. so it's to have kind of courage in that space as well, and to you know to kind of also not be afraid to bring music of different kind of emotional tones. It's a really important thing.
0: Excellent, thank you so much for that. And just important to know that this is kind of a hot topic research area. Uh, if I if I speak correctly, isn't that the case, Jane?
1: Yes, I think it's still very early days in a sense in terms of how research is going. So so it's not. Possible to say conclusively, you know, that this will help or that will help or this will do that. But it's a very, very exciting area. And I think more and more, uh, uh, basically, the call is is for for more research. Um, And I think it's a tremendously exciting field to be involved in.
0: Excellent. Now, there could be people who are listening to the podcast today who might be thinking about. Uh, training so that they can become a dementia inclusive singing leader, or they might just want to know about what training is available out there. Stephen, could you tell us a little bit more about what training might be available?
2: So, yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about the Dementia Inclusive Singing Network, which is a Scottish national network. Um, It was started in 2019 by Luminate, which is Scotland's creative ageing organisation. Um, And it started with a provocation by a funder, um, um, two funders, in fact, Life Changes Trust and the Bering Foundation, who wondered, who who put a kind of provocation, and the provocation was what can community choirs and singing groups offer to the broader community, which includes people living with dementia? So the response to that was to create up a and that to create and support a national network, and it functions very much as a peer-to-peer network. So you can find more information about it on singing.luminate.scotland.org, just to get that nice and clear. Um, um, you on that site, you're, there's a there's a kind of host of um, resources that have been developed through an active training model, and Jane was involved in some of that work we did uh, um, two years ago and <laughs> now. Um, so there are there's information that you can access on that site about how to start your own choir, about learning a little bit more about what, what dementia is and how to communicate um, well with people living with dementia. There's also some song and musical resources there. But a lot of the kind of more powerful work is done through the monthly gatherings. So um, of being able to communicate with people working in different ways, with different skill levels, at different parts of the country, uh, you know, at at different ages, professionally, amateur, um, a whole mix of people who communicate and gather regularly and just share where they are. And certainly in the case of, you know, living through the pandemic in the last year and a half, that's been a very kind of profound kind of sharing space. So in terms of active training at the minute, that kind of social sharing space, I think, it's, has been really very useful.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Stephen. And we will link that website in our show notes below. So Scotland's Singing for Health Network will also be trying to make Singing for Health groups more visible through our project for building an interactive online map where people will be able to see if there are any Singing for Health groups in their area. And will be able to find out when the group typically meets. The complete map won't be ready until 2022, but in the meantime, uh, I wonder if if you could give us some insight uh, about how people could find out more about uh, a local singing group for themselves or for a family member or perhaps a patient. Are there any Scotland specific resources? Um, I think a
1: a good port of call is probably if you're um, with somebody who has dementia is um, checking out your Alzheimer's Scotland link worker. Um, who should be tuned in to what's available in the community. I think that's a, a good port of call. Um, there's also there's a UK-wide website called musicfordementia.org.uk who have also been trying to to do a, a map of what's going on and I think are continually calling for, for groups to add add their um,
0: details to it. So I think that's also worth a port call as well. Excellent. We'll link that below as well. Stephen, did you
2: have anything to add? Yeah, just, a, just a, a, a sort of a common sense approach is looking at the, uh, you know, the the community organisations in your local area, um, and, and that includes uh, perhaps having a conversation with the Age Scotland, you know, to, who will be able to tell you who is active in your area, and there will be someone close to you or close to someone that you know who knows about a singing group, and sometimes they're connected to church organisations or community organisations or Healthcare situations, hospitals, and kind of wider outreach. Um, so yeah, just just stay, staying connected to your local area and asking around, I think, is the most useful tool.
0: Excellent. And Sam, obviously, anyone who's in the Hamilton area soon enough should be able to get back to musical memories. Is that correct?
3: Well, it's uh, in all the if we do something, it's usually in all the local papers. We'll get members and shots we've got members in Rutherland, we've got members in Hamilton, East Kilbride, so it's, it's a wide draw that we, ha- we have uh, for people, uh, and the advertising we get is by singing it to events like Hair Myers, uh, and it always finishes up East Kilbride News, Hamilton Advertiser, so people know of it, uh, and also there's flyers uh, that we leave in various places, and libraries are our flyers, so we try to get to the the local community or the the kind of Lanarkshire community uh, as best as we can through that that system. And it works so far. Uh, We'll see how it works once the pandemic, so we can get together again, whether they all turn up. But uh, at the moment, that's how we do it.
2: Excellent. Stephen? Yeah, I'd just like to come back on something that you asked, uh, Brianna, about um, people with thinking that they would love to get involved as a singing leader or getting involved in a group. One of the most kind of powerful experiences I've had over the last two and a half years working with uh, Luminate on this project is watching other people work. So one of the best tools you can give yourself is visiting a group in your area, visiting a group out with your area. We're a very collegiate and supportive um, community. So, you know, if someone calls me up and says, can I come and see the way you do things, it's like you absolutely can. Come and see, come and, you know, come and sing in. You're going to have a nice singing experience anyway. So get in touch with as many people who are working in this sector as possible at all kinds of community or professional levels. See how they work and, and reflected in their practice, you'll see bits of you coming back at you and, you know, there'll be an affirmation that's like, well, that's not too scary. I can do that. I can. I know that song. I can teach it in that way. So just using using people as a, you know, as a kind of mirror for yourself to see where you might best be situated. It's a useful thing to think about.
3: I, I don't know if you all know of that Scottish Opera do things as well for dementia. Uh, probably you are involved and you know all about it. But that's been a great thing as well. Uh, when they they, they, they they react plays and, and sing, and it's been really, it, that's worthwhile as well.
0: Sam- for our
3: listeners, could you tell us just a little bit more about what Scottish Shopper have been up to? Well, it's not, it's, it, it, they need grants to do it, and it, it's only in 12 weeks' sessions, unfortunately. So it's 12 weeks and then it stops, and then they might do it again. The The last two have been held in every uh, town hall, uh, and they do things like maybe a cello or, or uh, an opera, you know, just, and they get them all dressed up. To play their parts and they all got a wee part to say. Uh, and it's in the opera singers they sing. Uh, so you, uh, uh, it's, it's really just a, and a wee cup of tea is always there So that the, these are the things that Scottish Opera have done and the rehearsals are heard in the rehearsal rooms up in Mary Hill, just off Maryhill Hill Road. Another thing is if you're interested in going to Musical Memories Hamilton, you will be able to see Musical Memories Choir Singing. Uh, and it's also on Facebook that you can get Anna does it when we have a session. So there's quite a few I either on YouTube or on Facebook that you can get them. Uh, musical Memories Hamilton. Thank you so much,
0: Sam. And I'll, of course, link the, link the Facebook link in our show notes below. So we're coming to the end of our discussion. It's been really wonderful to hear all of your insight and your experience and the wonderful work that's happening around Scotland right now before we come to the end, though, I just want to ask, is there anything that you'd like to mention that we haven't discussed already?
1: I think maybe that it's never too late to try um and that you don't have to have been a singer or a musician to be able to engage in this. I think. Um sometimes I find people almost rule themselves out because they think, well, I'm not musical or I'm not a, a singer. Um, and I think this is accessible to just about anybody at just about any kind of stage.
3: Well, we've got everything. So, <laughs> you know, there, there are those that can sing, there's those that can't, but everybody sings. So, and it, it's because it's collective, you know, we're all together. So that's why you sing because he can sing better than me, but I'll just sing it anyway. And that's how it works. So that's how I would see it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just a little wrapping that all up to say that there isn't one way of doing this. There are a hundred mm-hmm. ways of doing this, and the reason that is is because we are all we are we all we bring our experience, we bring our history, we bring our assets, we bring our skills, but also we bring a community of people who are very very different. So, it's absolutely uh, right that every way of doing every group will work and function in a completely unique way because they create their own culture of working and it's, you know, it grows over time. And Sam's talked about that over the course of this podcast, it's been really interesting to hear. So, yeah, there's not one way. So, you have to find your own way. So, be courageous about that.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to all of you for joining me today. Next week, we are joined by Elizabeth Tipp. Kim Edgar and Veronica McBurney and we will be discussing singing for mental health Thanks for listening This podcast is produced by Scotland's Singing for Health Network, a project hosted at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, funded by the Royal Society of Edinburgh and in partnership with the University of Edinburgh. For more information on our activities, please visit our website. Details are in the show notes.